Looks like it might be working. All right. Now I just need to go side by side. Sorry, everyone, if you're joining right now. I'm trying to figure this out. And we'll see if that works. If you're watching in the chat, let us know. We've got a few people joining in. I wish I knew. There we go. Okay, perfect. Well, hey, if you're watching on the chat, um, say hello. We're live right now. And I'm with my mom and my dad, Ken and Pam Ingold from down in San Diego, California. Um, so they're watching from San Diego. Why don't you guys let us know where you're watching watching from? And uh, mom and dad, why don't you talk a little bit about your church and, and where you guys are at and um, what your roles are and all that good stuff. Go ahead. All right. Well, um, if you watch the message, you heard that we've been there about 25 years. So we've done about everything except um, lead worship, which would be could be disastrous. Would but, be disastrous. <laughs> and children's. Um, but yeah, but I mean, we've been part of the leadership team until the last few years. And now we're kind of shifting to that place where we'll eventually be retiring. So um, my current role is I am the pastor um, of care over counseling and um, pastoral care. And then I also oversee our seniors group. So along with women. Sounds like a long business card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it says, Pam said, we've been, we've done a lot of different roles throughout our history, but uh, we're starting to turn it over to the next generation. We're excited about that. Uh, it's good to see this next generation step up and uh, be and lead and uh, allow them to lead. So uh, we're there to support them and be the best um, support we can be. Uh, my current role is I am the pastor to Boomers, which is our largest demographic of our church. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a big part of our church and also to men. So I get an opportunity to, to minister to men of all ages, but primarily those 50 to 70 um, as far as looking at the overall population awesome awesome and you guys have been there 25 years right we'll be in october yeah cool so far in the chat we've got ricky marianne my art channel and taylor from out in our brentwood campus our worship leader welcome glad you guys are here uh keep letting us know where you're joining from where you're watching from and we're gonna just kind of chop it up a little bit until we get more folks joining in and then we'll, we'll get into some questions based off of this weekend. But um, so my mom and dad are in their backyard in San Diego. It's like one of my favorite places to be. It overlooks the, the mountains. Oh, that's my least favorite thing. <laughs> how do you, okay. So I'm curious how people are, who are watching online right now, how do you feel about little dogs? Like I love dogs, cats, not so much. Little dogs though, I feel like aren't, aren't really dogs. And that dog is not a dog. Oh, she's so cute. Come on. That's that's Reese, my parents' uh, thing. So, um, so uh, did you guys, did you guys, what did you guys do at your church this weekend? Did you have um, any responsibilities? 
Well, every every Wednesday I go in and record um, either the what we call the transition, which is kind of the opening announcements type of thing, or our social need, which tells us what we're doing in the community, because that's a big important that's a very important part of our church and reaching out to the community. Or I do a voiceover at the end of the service, so it kind of rotates each and every week. So that's uh, the role that I have. Mom, I, this week I've been uh, videoing seniors, uh, getting stories about how they're serving from their homes because you know they're at risk and then also talking to parents with young kids um, because they received prayers that the seniors wrote and just hearing how it impacted them so I was kind of hopping from house to house this week and taking the video team with me and shooting video you guys have been doing a lot in the community I keep seeing your outreach leader and and the interviews he's doing with the mayor and all the different organizations you guys are working with it's Super cool. I, I love to see what, what the church or Bernardo is doing. Um, Taylor from our Brentwood campus just said, please tell me it's actually called pastor to boomers. Is that your official title? <laughs> I'm actually boomers and spiritual formation pastor. So it's, but the word boomers is in your the title. Boomers is there. We don't, we don't know what else to call it. We have not come up with another name that makes any sense. So I call it boomers slash 50 plus, but that's Come on, it. Taylor, give us a new name. <laughs> Cool deal. Well, um, again, beyond Sunday, coming off uh, preaching from Psalm 77 this week. If you're in the chat, let us know where you're watching from. And then if you have any questions as we go, please, we want to answer some of your questions. So let us know what you're thinking and, and some of the questions you have as we go through this. And uh, we'd love to attempt to answer them. So um, we've given a few minutes now, and I think I think we could probably hop on to, uh, to some of the questions and and see how that goes and and see where see where we're at um so one of the things i think mom the feedback that i got and you both of you guys can answer this the feedback that i got sorry i just took a run to the dumpster right before this so i've got stuff all over my hand uh one of the one of the questions that i got um from a lot of people and not really questions but just a lot of the feedback is that um that whole process of suffering is something that I think people wrestle with a lot. And I don't think there's a specific timeline for when it's like, okay, now suffering should be done or your grieving should be done or that, you know, it's time to move on. Um, so again, maybe you can unpack real quick before I get into the question, how long that period of grieving, suffering, and I know it's still ongoing to this day of, of losing your sister, my aunt Jennifer, and, and what, that, what that was like. Yeah, I think um, it's different for every person. And, you know, since then, I've gone into more training as far as grief counseling, and each person processes grief differently. It's never the same for anyone. And yeah, there's still um, through, you know, the years to go, it's, you get to that point of just peace and gratitude, but there's still something that can hit you know, in a minute, and like maybe an expression of somebody that resembles her or something, and it'll just take you right back. Mm -hmm. I think always when I go home to visit, that definitely hits a chord because you can tell who's not there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's a specific dividing line or you know, a specific point in time when you should be done grieving. I think it is difficult. It's, uh, I would say from the receiver side of somebody who is grieving and constantly grieving and living in the past, you know, three, four, five years later, that's just hard to deal with. You don't know how to really 
relate to that individual, how to process with them, because they they've re, kind of almost refuse to take it the next step. And I think the that's where you you need to go get some counseling. You need to get some help in taking that next step. And not that you ever put it behind you, not that it's ever done with, not that you're ever over with it, over it. But I think there has to be a process you're going through where you're at least growing uh, as a result of it, rather than being stuck. Right. I think that's, that's that's in any counseling situation. That's the term they use: stuck in grief. And that's usually, it's most often in my experience, I've seen it's people that are afraid to get angry with God. Mm. And so because you're not willing to tell God how you really feel, you, you stay stuck there. You're still processing, but you can't go beyond that. And then it almost becomes, yeah, like Dad said, you don't want to be around that person because you can't even relate to them. So it's definitely, I think that's a wonderful way for someone to love someone who's grieving is to be willing to tell them they need to get help. Hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes we look at the uh, stages of grief. Grief is like a to-do list. Like I got to get through this stage, I can get to that next stage. And then we get to the, hopefully we get to the finish line at some point. And I don't think that's necessarily reality. So um if, even in that, is there, and, and hi everyone joining in, uh, Cindy, Beverly, Elizabeth, good to see you guys. Uh, remember, if you have any questions that you would like my folks to answer or me to attempt to answer, please let us know in the chat and we would love to, to try to answer some of those or use that to spur some of the conversation. Um, is there ever a point in your grieving or suffering and you're like, one of the things we saw from the psalmist this week was like, he was pleading with God and kind of crying out to God. Like, you're not comforting me. Has your love, have, has your love vanished forever? Um, have you forgotten how to be merciful? Like all those things. Uh, is there ever a point where it's like, that becomes like you go too far with it or it becomes sinful or anything like that in those moments where we're like being honest with God? For me, I don't think there's a, a line other than being dishonest with God. I think if you, if it's true emotions you're dealing with and it's being honest with God and saying, this is what I'm, I'm really, this is what I'm, where I'm at. This is what's going on. I don't think as, as Pam talked about, I don't think we're ever going to be able to move on from that, that point, unless we're really honest with God as to how we feel. Probably one of the things I've always wondered as I've read the Psalms and I've read David crying out, you know, and saying, God, why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? Where are you? What's going on? And then, you know, at the end of the psalm, he always comes back to calling God his rock and his foundation. I always wonder, when did he start that psalm? And when did he finish it? <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, how much time passed before that, that beginning and that ending? And that's that's what I don't know. But I think there, you know, it's, it's beautiful that David always comes back to finding his strength in God and recognizing he's his rock and his foundation. But I don't, what we don't know is, as he cried out, how long did that take? And what was that mental, how deep was that mental anguish he was feeling? Yeah, yeah I think that's a good, uh, sorry, mom. I just want to interject something. That's a good point. Even with this Psalm from Asaph, Psalm 77, it's, you, you can see the journey he goes on in 19 verses. And I don't know anyone that makes that quick of a, right. of a switch. So. Job wasn't quite that quick. Yeah. So, but I think, you know, there's nowhere I can go outside of Christ's love and uh, God's love for me. And so I don't think there comes a point where, um, yeah, I mean, if, if I, um, distance myself from God. I think that grieves his heart, but I think he loves me regardless. 
I think the only sin is it's getting to the point of actually blaspheming. denying, blaspheming God, denying God, not maybe in the short term, you may deny God, you may have a struggle in that moment and say, God, I don't even know if you're, if you're real, I don't know if you exist. But, you know, as we see from Asaph, and we see from David coming, coming back around, but I think ultimately, you have, you know, it's being honest about that, but then recognizing that if, if you ultimately reject God in the process, then there's no hope. Right. Mm. Well, and even they were still crying out to God yeah. in the midst of that. It wasn't that they were denying God. Yeah. Is there ever so. Mom, you said, like, I always know that just Christ's love is around me. And I feel like we go to that place often with that with comfort. Like, that's how we try to comfort people in the midst of their grieving and suffering. But I don't know if that always does the trick, you know, <laughs> like just saying those words or it's sometimes that's hard to believe. And. And I think that's a, an okay place to be. Um, but how do you get to that place where you trust that? I think sometimes it's uh, that intercessory prayer and that someone coming on behalf of you and just walking alongside you in the midst of your suffering, not having to be, um, as you're processing, let that person carry you. Hmm. Have you asked for that or? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I have asked for that. and. Um, a friend of ours, Diane from Phoenix, um, she was one of those people that carried me, that pointed me the right direction. Obviously, Ken did when um, I was right in the thick of it. And um, I did seek out counseling at that point. And then there's a group of friends that were part of a small group that weren't going to let me get stuck there permanently. Hmm. You know, they reached out and told me that I needed to get help. So you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. And I know I didn't even prep you for this, this question, but I'm wondering like, what did your, what was the toll that your grieving took on your marriage, um, on you as a mom, on you as just a person? Like, can you speak to that at all? And, and like, how, how did you work through that? I think it was, it personally, it definitely took a toll. Some, some people know because through the years I've talked about it, you've talked about it, that I struggled with eating disorders a lot in my life and it's, I spiraled um, hugely during that time um, yeah, to a really bad low place. Let's say I just wasn't eating much and doing unhealthy things to you know, get sick. And it was um, obviously cause I couldn't um, emotionally connect with Ken. Uh, I think that took a toll, I think I couldn't be the mom that I needed to be for you guys. Um, I was so stuck in myself. And um, there's, a, there's a part of it that when I look back that was very selfish, but I didn't recognize it at the time. I needed to you know, bring people along and those people I just mentioned, it wasn't until I got to that point where people said, you need help. And this is where we often talk about, and you, you see it in so many instances where you, somebody loses a loved one that doesn't have Christ and you, and you just see a marriage fall apart or you see a life fall apart. And, and you, and you often ask the question, uh, how, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, how do you survive this? And I think even as we look at our marriage, yeah, I think we have to be really honest and say, if it wasn't for that foundation of Jesus Christ in our relationship, I don't know if we would have survived that. I mean, we just, it was a, I couldn't understand what she was going through. She knew I couldn't, she knew I couldn't understand. We were, we were probably disconnected um, for the most part, but we were 
some way somehow spiritually connected because we we were built on that foundation of christ and we were determined we were going to see we we're going to see ourselves through this with his help and his strength yeah that reminds me of and let me just say mom i didn't i i just have fond memories of you as a mother so i don't like you said i wasn't the mom you needed to be uh i didn't see that so um but it reminds what what you just said that reminds me of something i even say in uh in weddings that i've stolen from you guys and i'm sure you created it on your own but the whole premise of being one and how it make it takes three to make two become one and that foundation that you have in god so um let me let me uh let me transition a little bit we'll see if we got any questions um if you have any thoughts or questions please chime in on the chat uh, Bill asked, what do you think about what our governor has said when we can meet live? Great question, Bill. We'll, we'll address that through an email this week uh, from Pastor Steve, and, uh, and you'll, get, you'll get some insight there. Um, but we want to kind of focus on Psalm 77 here. Um, Dad, you mentioned something that kind of struck me as, as we were talking about if there wasn't pain, why would I need God? And the, the, the question that I wrestled with after you said that is like, but does that mean that God's just a need meter or, and I know that's not what you meant, but maybe you can explain that a little bit more. No, I think, yeah, I think it's a very legitimate question you're asking is, yeah, if it's, if, um, if, if I only need God because I have pain, then yeah, then God's just that Santa Claus. He's that genie that just um, comes out of the bottle and meets my needs when I need it. I think for me, it's a bigger issue. It's a much larger question. It goes way back to the Garden of Eden. It looks, it goes back to the, you know, Adam, Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God, and then that was broken through their sin. And because of the brokenness of the world, God has spent eternity, or at least as long as the the earth has been in existence, working in that plan of reconciliation, of restoration in the earth. And we wouldn't need restoration. As I said, I wouldn't need redemption. I wouldn't need a savior. I wouldn't, I w- I wouldn't need any of that if there, if there wasn't evil and if there wasn't pain, if there wasn't suffering in this world. Uh, so you take the question as far as to say, yeah, why would I need God? Because life would be so good. I just, I just skate along and I'd be enjoying it. I would never want to leave this earth. I would just like, Hey, I just want to, can I possibly live forever somehow? You know? And, and yeah, I think then you look at it and you say, how much harder would death be? And again, we go back to that, looking at the person that doesn't, the family that doesn't know Christ, how hard is death in those moments? Because there's no hope, but we have a hope that comes because of what Jesus did for us. And because of we are reconciled unto God that we're, we know we're going to overcome that pain. We're going to over, overcome that suffering and we're going to spend eternity with him. And so that, that just makes God that much more real to me. And it makes his glory that much greater as you talked about in your message. So, so one of the things uh, just to kind of piggyback on current circumstances with COVID-19 and everything that's going on with that, um, how have you shepherded people to that place and how have you pastored people or what are you, what are some of the trends that you're seeing even in that down in San Diego and at your church and how are you leading people to, to that realization when again, it's kind of goes back to what mom was saying earlier. It's the words are great to say, not always easy to believe, you know. Yeah, one of the things that we've done as a church, as a staff, and we've found a lot very beneficial is just making phone calls to our people. And so we've broken down our 
you know, how many hundreds and hundreds of people that are that uh, we're reaching out to and said, okay, staff, you know, call this week, call this many people and call this many people the next week. And I think just staying in touch with them and saying, hey, we care about you. And, and we have a helpline set up at our at our church. So if they call in and even if, no, if it's after hours, you hit extension one and say, hey, I need help. I need food. I need assistance in this area. When Pam's you know, overseeing the seniors, she's reaching out to the seniors constantly every month. We're taking a, a care kit to them and socially distancing, but handing them a care package and saying, and it's not a lot of things, you know, it's just a uh, bingo card. Bingo We're playing card. bingo during this. <laughs> but it's staying in touch with people and just being real and, and allowing them to say, hey, I'm struggling right now. I just, you know, I made a phone call one time to a lady who said, yeah, my, my husband just got laid off and we have a, a disabled child and it's hard right now. And so, okay, what can we do to help? How do we, how can we step in and be, and be a source of help for you? And uh, so it's just looking at those specific needs and saying, hey, look, we want to be here for you in the midst of this. We recognize, yeah, just throwing words at you and saying, hey, it's all going to be okay. We can't even, there's no way we can possibly say it's going to get back to normal one day, but that's not going to happen. Uh, maybe it will down, down two years, three years down the road, but we're looking and saying, what can we do right now to meet you where you are? Right. And I think, um, there, there are people in our church that have relatives that are on the front lines in New York, especially. I mean, there's some, you mentioned our impact uh, pastor here and the things he was doing. His wife's one of the um, nurses on the front line here in San Diego, but then also there's people that have contract contracted it in New York City's, most of them. But, you know, there's a couple people in our church that have had it, that have recovered, but um, I think more just active listening, listening, not offering an answer, but just saying, I'm here with you in this. You know, I yeah. don't have the answers. Yeah, I think that's so important. Sometimes I think as followers of Jesus, we want to be quick to give an answer when it just seems like a lot of times Jesus was okay with just sitting in the mess with people. Mm -hmm. And I think even like this, this Psalm that we taught through there was the past, the current, and the future. And if you talk about the current, a lot of times that's, you know, if we look at that past, current, future, that current is the middle and it can be messy and it can be tough and difficult. And I wonder if, um, I wonder if, and I taught about this a little bit, but I wonder how important it is as we look through all those things to look back at the past. And ASAP did that, that was like verses 10 through 12. Um, and again, if you guys have any other questions, please chime in um, on the chat. But verses uh, 10 through 12, he talks about like re remembering what God did. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we want to, we have to be careful not to discount the, the power of prayer. It's not, it's not, for me, it's not the power of prayer, it's the power of who we're praying to. And I think sometimes in those midst of those phone calls, miss those conversations, uh, I don't think we recognize um, as, as, staff as leaders in the church how valuable us praying for somebody really is and uh, just saying hey I want to I take the time to pray for you and uh, just lifting them up and it, there's a sense of comfort and peace that comes to them I have a good friend who's a um, seminary professor who who once said sometimes the least thing we can do is the best thing we can do hmm. sometimes the, the least thing we can do is the best thing, best we, thing can we can do wow that's good well, well, what do you guys think about what do you guys think about that the, the thing I mentioned right before that just how important is it to hold on to the past when looking to the future when it comes to God's provision and God's grace and everything God's done 
we see how God's provided for us in the future. We see that he's gotten us through the difficult times. All you have to do is open up the scriptures and see that, you know, um, I mean, you, Job did come through it. Job was doing very well before everything bad happened, you know, before he mm -hmm. was tested. And he came through it and had more. I look at the times Paul was shipwrecked or the times Paul was in prison. He saw God's faithfulness to him in the past. He saw it in the future. Hmm. Saw it in the, helped him to see it in the present and on to the future. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we can discount that. I think sometimes we want to. We want to say, oh, well, we can just grab hold of who God is and just say right now, whatever, we're just going to take whatever comes our way. But I think without that history and without that experience, it'd be, I look at people that made a, you know, a, a recent decision for Christ and then things start going bad in their life. And I have sometimes remind them, okay, maybe that's why God came into your life right now because you're going to need him right in this moment. But it's so hard when you don't have that experience and that history of, of seeing his goodness played out when you, when you face the difficult times yeah yeah that's good good well anyone if anyone has any questions in the chat let us know if not i'm gonna let my parents get back to the terrible weather down in san diego looks miserable it was hot up here today it was yeah. 82 or 83 today very nice today 82 and comfortable Ugh. yeah the i came into the church office to do this and the ac wasn't wasn't on and um I can tell right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, well, hey, I just uh, wanted to say I appreciate you joining this week and and love you guys. And, and um, I'm glad that our church um, had a chance to see you. Cindy just chimed in and said, um, I think there's a difference between holding on to the past and acknowledging it. Can you speak to that? Um. Well, I think you have to see the past. I don't believe the past makes us, um, I don't believe the past controls who we are, but it shapes us, our past experiences. It shapes us to who we are. Mm. So um, I think there, especially when we've gone through something difficult or if we have struggles with, I mean, let's even go to addictions or things like that and you recover, you don't always focus about how bad you were in the past. You look at where you are today and realize where you don't want to go back to. I mean, I, I recognize today and now I have accountability in my life that I can't go back because some of the behaviors that I started during that um, mourning period, um, some of those behaviors I could easily go back to, but I don't want to go back to those mm -hmm. because it wasn't a good place for me to be. I think it also didn't only affect our marriage, I think it, it affected you guys it also i think affected friendships i don't want to go back and you know deal with that again i've i've gotten too much i've gotten too rich through the years of what i have today yeah as pam said i think um our past does shape us, but it doesn't have to define us. And I think that's what your the basically the statement was made on your chat is if I'm gonna hold on to it, I'm letting it define me. If I'm gonna acknowledge my past, I'm gonna acknowledge the pain, I'm gonna acknowledge the suffering and even the evil in my past, uh, that's gonna, it, yeah, it shaped me, but it doesn't have to determine who I am. And I think so many of us get caught up in that I can, I can never be something different than I was because this, my parents told me I was no good or my, or my coach or my teacher said I'd never amount to anything. And so they let that define them. And it, yeah, it's a part of your past. You have to acknowledge it, but it doesn't have to define you. Yeah, no, that's good. Good. 
Well, hey, I, again, appreciate you. And it uh, looks like you've answered every question that there is, except for the one about what the governor said, but we'll get back to that later. Um, I want to say one more thing, Steve, because I want to go back and make sure we clarify something. We had yeah. some fun at the beginning of our um, our Zoom call with you during your, your sermon, but we actually do love you. Um, yes, you did cause some anguish during your life. I am not going to discount that a bit, but uh, we are so proud of you and amazed by what, how God is using you. Uh, I know. Thank you. I don't, we don't need to get into that, but appreciate <laughs> you saying that. Um, Hey, would would uh, one of you mind just praying over Cornerstone, and then we'll we'll close after that? I'd appreciate that a lot. Sure, Father, it's so good to be in your presence and have this uh, privilege, this opportunity to be on a Zoom call with our son. That um, other people are chiming in and chatting and um, observing and uh, processing through their own suffering, their own pain that they're experiencing in this life. And Father, we do lift up Cornerstone Fellowship to you. Thank you for that amazing church and the way you are using them to not only impact the lives of their congregants, but to impact the lives of, of people in their community that are they're going beyond the, the four walls and saying, God, we want to make a difference in uh, East, uh, East, what do we call it? East, East Bay. Bay. <laughs> <laughs> want to make a difference in East Bay. Uh, so Father, I thank you for who they are as a church. I thank you for their leadership. I thank you for every individual that counts themselves as a member, as a participant, that says, I want to make a difference in this world. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in them, what you're doing through them. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Have a good week, everyone. I love you. Appreciate you. I'm going to see if I can end this thing. I'm, I'm new to new to running this show. So uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for being gracious. Appreciate you guys joining. Happy Memorial Day. Uh, not that it's happy, but we do remember those that sacrifice great, great, in great ways um, to give us our freedoms. So I um, hope you were, were able to reflect on that and remember that today. We love you and we'll see you next week uh, for Church Online. Talk to you soon.